I've got an exclusive for you guys if you want it about the object in Alaska that was shot down. And I haven't spoken about this yet, I don't think, on any podcast. The object in Alaska that was shot down, I think we can all agree, was probably the strangest. Um, It has the most mystique behind it. We were told that they could not make heads or tails of what that object was. They said they called off the search for that specific object. I was reached out to by several people who live in Dead Horse, Alaska, where this thing was shot down, who have told me. Listen to Somewhere in the Skies by Ryan Sprague for free. Visit audibletrial.com backslash UFO. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Did the CIA write Wind of Change by the Scorpions? (laughs) (laughs) As humans busied themselves about the various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied. Dr. Loeb, what percentage chance do you give it that you have indeed uncovered extraterrestrial or non-human technology? With infinite complacence, people went about their affairs, yet across an immense ethereal gulf, intellects vast and unsympathetic through their plans against us. Prior to your abduction, did you believe in UFOs or any sort of alien life form? All things unexplained. So some of that I think sir, we'll save for close session. Hello, all you unexplained ones out there. Thank you for joining us. Those of you that are joining us live, or if you're listening to our podcast, we are grateful for each of you. If you have joined us live, please send us your comments, your questions. We will do our best to get to those throughout the show. We have a very special guest today. We will get into everything about him in a bit, but we're going to just dive right in and get the show rolling. And Ryan, thank you for joining us. The first thing we are dying to know a little bit more about is your UFO encounter. Would you share a little bit with us? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Yes, I have an origin story like many who get, you know, caught up in this whole UFO craze, as it were. Um, I saw what I believe to have been a UFO uh, back in 1995. Uh, This is in central New York just uh, north of Syracuse, New York. Uh, uh, I was on a fishing trip with my parents, actually. Every summer, we would go up to the St. Lawrence River, which was actually a river that bordered Canada, uh, between New York State and Canada. And every summer, we'd go to the same motel, the Fisherman's Wharf, and I would fish off a dock for hours and hours and hours. And uh, there was one specific night, again back in 1995, where I was reeling my line in. I was done for the night. It was turning dark. And as I was reeling my line in, I thought I saw lights actually in the water, in the river. So I kind of get on my stomach, I look down in the water, and I realize it's actually a reflection. So I flip over on my back, 
I look up, and um, that's where my life changed. Uh, what I saw was a perfect triangle, I guess, a formation, I should say, of lights in a perfect equilateral triangle. And um, it was just hovering there silently above my head. And uh, I didn't know what to do. I, I just kind of laid there, stunned. I got up. Uh, I tried to yell for my dad to come out of our motel and come see this thing with me. And uh, he actually did. So my oh, wow. father witnessed this UFO with me. And we kind of just both looked up at this black triangle as they've been coined and watched this thing hover silently over the water and go on to the other side of the river and kind of just disappear out of sight. Crazy. How how high up would you say that this UAP was? Good question. You know, I because I was 12 at the time, um, yeah. I will be the first to admit my memory is not as good as I, I, I hoped or wished it would be right. at this age now. Um, however, you know, I couldn't really tell you how high up or how big it was. But it took up a pretty big part of the sky. I mean, I didn't see like an actual machine. I try to make that clear to people. I didn't right. see occupants within this triangle or anything like yeah. that. It was just a perfect equilateral triangle. One white light on each point, red light in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, but the big thing that I do remember is uh, I couldn't see anything behind this formation. There were stars okay. in the sky. Um, I couldn't see those. I couldn't see the moon. So whatever it was, it was blocking out everything behind it and above it. Wow. Um, and like I said, took up a pretty big part of the sky. So either it so was large. huge, yeah, or it was very far away and, um, and you know, also pretty big. I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Yeah. D does your memory serve you about, about how long it was there between you seeing it, getting your dad, your dad coming out and looking at it together? What would be your rough estimation? I would say, again, you know, my adrenaline was going. I was petrified. Yeah. I was frozen on the dock. I couldn't move. I mean, all I could do was turn my neck to kind of yell inside to my dad. Um, but I kind of, and I like to say kind of, remember maybe like 40 seconds I stared up at okay. the thing before he came out. And I would say as soon as he came out and looked up and saw this thing with me, uh, another solid 20 to 25 seconds before it started slowly coasting over the water and then disappeared out of sight. Um, so wow. yeah, it, it felt like forever. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Well, that is a long time. I mean, a minute, really, it doesn't sound like much, but that's a long time to be staring at some unknown object in the sky that's got your heart racing a little bit <laughs> like what am i looking at um you say it went across the river and then it slowly moved it sounds and then disappeared as in it sped up and and went off or just psh, gone vanished it just vanished i mean i didn't see this thing like take off at breakneck speeds like people have sort of reported anything like that it just creepily coasted and then just disappeared over the tree line on the other side of the river. And then mm. Canada's problem after that. I, <laughs> I don't know where it went, where it came from, uh, but it left obviously a huge impression on me. I mean, yes. I just really, the only things I remember were how silent it was, how perfectly equilateral triangle shaped it was. And um, 
and my father's face that that really really stuck with me because oh, i'm a God. kid looking at my dad to like explain this thing to me and i'm right. just looking up at this dude and he's as white as a ghost jaw open watching this thing and mm. that's when i knew whatever that thing was was not normal it wasn't a plane it wasn't you know a misidentification this was something truly unexplainable and um yeah yeah it, it traumatized me i had nightmares yeah. about it for <laughs> years and years after did that. you yeah wow did your dad believe in ufos before this incident not to my knowledge. I mean, I'd never even heard of UFOs. I, I wasn't into any of that stuff right. when I was 12. I was a baseball player. Like, all I had on my mind was my my catcher's mitt and Green Day. Like, that was it back in 1995. <laughs> right. I was As any 12-year-old yeah. should, right? Yeah. yeah. I agree. I, I didn't think about UFOs when I was 12 either. Yeah, so. definitely not. And my father either. And, you know, he didn't for the longest time after either until, you know, everything sort of exploded in 2017 where, like, UFOs mm. kind of went mainstream. And that's yeah. when he and I sat down at a bar and we had some long talks about UFOs and what happened over the St. Lawrence River that night. Speaking of your dad, you said your dad, you know, once it was gone, he kind of went back in the motel, started watching the Yankees again, right? And there was no tearing him away from the Yankees. Well, your whole experience reminds me of one of our military consultants. He had a very similar experience just down the road from where CJ and I live. And I wondered, Ryan, do you recall or have you since asked, did anybody notice the Yankees game or anything having technical difficulties while this thing was in the air that's a good question so it was a home game so the yankees were in new york at the time and you know we were about five hours six hours north of new york city when this happened so a good distance away um so i don't know if anyone you know at the game saw anything or if there were any technical glitches during the broadcast of the game or anything however I, I do remember um, the next morning we went into the the motel, you know, front desk and we asked the owner who actually was the guy working that morning. Hey, we saw something weird last night. Has anyone ever, you know, reported anything strange in the skies? And he said, like a UFO. And my dad was kind of like, yeah, I guess so. Like a UFO. He's like <laughs> a few times we've gotten that a few times we've had that. Um so, you know, there were there clearly was a history of these things being seen in that area. Um, you know, we hear a lot that UFOs are seen near bodies of water. So um, that might be a reason for that as well. But um, yeah, I kind of went into investigator mode the day after. I asked the motel guy. I asked everyone else at the motel, like, did anyone else see something weird that night? And most of them were like, go away little kid like what, what are you talking about We're trying to have a vacation here um <laughs> so his tv didn't mess up or anything not that i recall no but you know it is funny my dad kind of just shrugged it off you know he saw <laughs> it he turned around he went back in and he continued watching the game and i stood out there for god knows how long just thinking about what just happened and like I said, I didn't sleep that night. I didn't sleep for the night after that. I didn't have a good night's sleep for, I'd say, almost a year after that. I just kept thinking about wow. that thing in the sky. And it really yeah. affected me psychologically, emotionally. 
physically. I mean, I was an insomniac after that right. for a while. And um, it took some time to kind of accept it, uh, learn about what it possibly could have been, um, and and move on with my life. But clearly I didn't move on too much. <laughs> yeah, you didn't move on very far. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, children are such better scientists than adults, right? Like kids see something and they want to know every detail about it. I mean, just this morning I took my two-year-old for a walk and there was a dead worm being eaten by ants and he could have stood there and looked at this science experiment forever. He was enthralled, right? As adults, we just go, ah, okay, you know, move on, move on. Like got things to do, the game's on, dishes to do, what have you. Kids do a much better job of thinking about what they've seen and internalizing it and wondering and pondering. So it sounds like that UFO came along at the right time because it dug its claws in you and then you got to continue learning about them and move forward with UFOs in your life. Yeah, absolutely. It, it changed my life. It really did. Yes. And now you are the person that people come to with their stories and they tell you about all of their stories. And now here he is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's Ryan Sprague on our show. Oh, gosh. <laughs> We're so grateful to have you. I mean, truly. But I'm sure many of you listening now already know who Ryan Sprague is. But if you don't, he has become a very successful podcaster, author. I'm sure you have found a lot of coincidences, a lot of things that line up with what you've experienced, stories that other people are sharing. Like you mentioned, the water. We hear so many people talk about the relationship between water and UFOs. We have now heard so many stories from New York. I can't believe how many UFO sightings there have been in New York. It's interesting. One of the first ones that we heard was a giant one in Queens, New York. Okay, so i i lived in uh, I lived in Queens for about twelve years, and I had oh, a couple yeah. weird things that I saw while living there for sure. Um, Did you? And there's actually a couple stories in my new book that take place in. In New York City, because you know, a lot of people don't think of New York City when they think about UFOs, no, because it's not such at all. A, you know, it's such a highly populated area. You know, we've got two major airports, we've got light pollution. Um, so it right. is not the first place you think of. However, I mean, you look at something like the Hudson Valley UFO wave back in the late '80s, early '90s. I mean, probably one of the most famous UFO waves of all time, where huge triangular and boomerang shaped craft just like what i saw around the same time i'll bet give given maybe two or three years after um same thing so yes there are many patterns that can be drawn from that um i i still to this day don't know what it was i saw um but i have reached out to a lot of people in new york state specifically to be like hey did anyone else see what i saw back in the summer of 1995 and um i've got a few i've got a few people on my hook to bring it back to fishing, I've got a few people who um, <laughs> think they may have seen what I saw. So, yeah, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah. Okay. So talk about the leap from 12-year-old you to where you are now. How did we get from that to other careers you've had to now host of your show, Somewhere in the Skies? You've now written two books. You've been on tons of television shows. How did you get here from there? Yeah, it's um, as with anyone's life, it was a weird, um, weird journey that took a lot of detours, as it were. Um, but like I said, after my my initial UFO sighting, um, I 
kind of became obsessed at that point. I would go to the library and take out books on UFOs and the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and, and all that stuff and, um, and really diving into it. And I started talking to my friends about it and they just made fun of me. You know, I, I told them I saw a UFO. They laughed at me. They, they poked fun of me. So that's when the ridicule and stigma of this topic really hit me. Um, was about a year after my my initial UFO sighting, and I didn't talk about it for a really long time. Um, I was a baseball player, so I, I played baseball my whole life up until college. Um, so that kind of took over for a while. Um, I got into theater in in my late high school to early college years as well. So I caught the acting bug. I majored in college in theater and. Uh, English writing arts, mostly playwriting. Um, and the UFO thing kind of went on the back burner for a long time. Um, it was just kind of something I did without anyone else really knowing, the researching, the interviewing. Um, in fact, I interviewed my first UFO witness when I was 13, one year after my sighting. Um, I interviewed a Vietnam veteran who had a crazy UFO sighting over the Pacific Ocean. And um, I wrote down his event. And uh, he died a year or so after he told me that. And I was the first and last person he told about it. So um, that's when I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to interview people who have had sightings and how it impacted their lives. And and this one guy, this Vietnam vet, that was it for me. Like that, that weight put on my shoulders to be the only one he ever told about this. Um, I didn't know what to do. I was 13. So like, where do I bring this report? I brought it to my English teacher in middle school. <laughs> like that's what I did with my first UFO. Uh, hope they were open-minded. <laughs> yes, they were. And I, I thank my teacher, Miss McCrone, every day for that. Uh, she gave me an A on it. But um, yeah, like I said, I kind of did it secretly for a really long time. And then in, I'd say around when I graduated from college is when I got very serious about it. I started listening to ufo podcasts that were out there at the time the early days of podcasting um and i started diving into all the documentaries like a lot of people do and that's when i slowly started to realize something was missing from ufology and and it was this human approach to it all nobody was really focusing on the people having these sightings it was always about when an event happened what was what did the craft look like um, was there any trace evidence left behind? And that's good. That's that's necessary. That's essential to study UFOs. Um, but I wanted to take what I was learning in theater, and that was to focus on people, focus on individuals, characters. What motivates someone to do something? Um, why do you see a play? It, it's because you're being dropped into a pivotal moment of someone's life where something needs to change. Otherwise, why are we watching the play? You know? Um, so I decided that was going to be my ufology. I would focus on the people. I would focus on their UFO sighting, which for most people is a pivotal moment in their life. It changes them like it did me. And that's kind of what I, I did. I started going around the country and interviewing people in all walks of life about their sightings and, um, putting a microscope on them and, and, you know, eventually how, how an event affected their lives and changed their lives. And, um, that kind of culminated into my first book uh, in 2016 and uh, my podcast that would come to follow after that. So 
yeah, it, it's been a crazy journey. Yes. You've got this Anomicon coming up in September. Tell us a little bit about what people can expect there and how they can join. Sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is a uh, an online, a virtual conference that I have put together, um, which is basically comprised of individuals who have really inspired me throughout the years. And that's not just UFOs. That's everything from the paranormal to the supernatural to literally all things unexplained, which is yeah. the reason for your show. Um, yeah. that, that represents a Nomicon. Everything anomalous, whether it's Bigfoot, ghosts, UFOs. Um, we have people diving into dreams, the spirit world, psychics. Uh, and again, these are people who have been huge inspirations for me throughout my, my many years of studying UFOs. And the other big thing is when you get involved with these topics, you start to see that there are communities. There's the UFO community, the Bigfoot community, the paranormal community. And they don't really talk much. They don't really converse, um, which is why I enjoy your show, because you dive into all those different things. And I wanted to do the same thing in a conference format, a virtual conference format. So, you know, I'm going to have a ufologist talking about UFOs. And right after that, we're going into the spirit world. And then right after that, we're going to be talking Sasquatch. Um, and then we're going to have some panel discussions about could these things all somehow be connected the further you zoom out you start to realize huh maybe maybe they are in, in some way shape or form uh so yeah anomicon is going to happen september 1st and 2nd i've got over three dozen speakers it's going to be a marathon um we're going to have some special guests showing up uh besides the speakers um we're going to be giving doing giveaways of things as well um and it's completely free it's going to be right here on YouTube. Um, you know, there's no paywall for something like this. I just want to talk to the people who have made me who I am today and who I think truly have unique things to bring to each community that they represent and trying to build a bigger community of the anomalous. So yeah, that's Anomicon. Okay. So anomicon.com is where people can go. To learn more yep. and then it will be on youtube for anybody that wants to, to check it out will there be the ability to comment and ask questions yes so most of our presentations are pre-recorded however this will be a live stream okay. so you can ask questions you can comment our speakers will be in the live chat um so they'll know when their presentations are happening and they um most of them at this point have agreed that yeah they'll be there for q a's and whatnot throughout um, and then we will be doing a couple actual live, you know, panel discussions as well. So yeah, little bit of pre-recording, little bit of live stream. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing, so <laughs> it might be a disaster. That's not true. <laughs> but that's a Namacon's inaugural event, and that's how you learn. Ah, <laughs> how fun! Well, good for you to just throw, you know, put it together and make it happen, right? Like we all have these big dreams, and you just got to do it. That's the only Absolutely. way is just to put it together. Well, fantastic. And if you are watching live, you can see here that we also have a copy of Somewhere in the Skies, Ryan Sprague's book. And we are super excited because we recently partnered with Audible to give our listeners a free trial. So if anybody would like to check that out, you can go to audibletrial.com backslash UFO. You can get a free trial, check out Somewhere in the Skies. 
Tim's got a hard copy of it. I know he has enjoyed so many of the stories that are in there. He was sharing some with me this morning about some stories that have happened in North Carolina, which is wild because that's where we are. And it's really crazy to hear all of the Hello, things Hello, synchronicity. Yes. Let me Hello, tell you. Absolutely. That's right. Yes. So yeah, go ahead and run on over to audibletrial.com backslash UFO. Get yourself a free trial. You will not be disappointed. I'm currently listening to a book on Audible because I have no time to read. I am chasing children and hosting podcasts and working with nonprofits and trying to play volleyball and have a life. So I do dishes, I do laundry, and I listen to <laughs> listen to Audible. So you can do the same. I promise. You just stay focused on volleyball and podcasts. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I have to say, so now my top two books on Audible are one, Somewhere in the Skies by Ryan Sprague, who we're honored to have with us today, and two, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, because he reads it to you, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, but I got to put Ryan Somewhere in the Skies slightly above Matthew McConaughey's oh. Green Lights. Wow, that's... I just like how you say Matthew McConaughey's name incorrectly. That's great. <laughs> like, right, you're the right, only right. person on the planet that doesn't know how to say Matthew McConaughey's name. <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> That's also the first and last time I will ever be above Matthew McConaughey on any <laughs> So thank you. <laughs> well, in addition to Somewhere in the Skies, which people can listen on Audible, they can get it for free right now at audibletrial.com slash UFO. Ryan, your new book is out now, your brand new one, Stories from Somewhere in the Skies, and it's essentially a collection of witness accounts that you have put together for everybody. Yes. So, you know, I've been doing the Somewhere in the Skies podcast for a little over three years now, and I I run a series called Witness Accounts. And this is where you can call in as a listener and tell your UFO story. And, you know, when I first started that series, I was like, oh, I don't know, I might get one or two stories. I don't know if I can make a whole episode out of this. And surprisingly, I got a handful. I put the, the episode together. And I'm telling you, the minute I put that episode out, I got 10 more stories submitted after that because people felt empowered finally to tell their own stories. And that's really all it takes is to see that someone just like you, me, uh, your local barista or, or law enforcement or teacher or barber are also having these, these crazy UFO incidents happen to them. Um, so yeah, it was pretty inspirational and now we're up to about 28 volumes of witness accounts over on the podcast. So, I mean, that's over hundreds of stories that have come to me and, um, it's, it's so rewarding to be able to give people a place where they can tell their story and, and not be judged by it. Um, not be questioned, just tell it in their own words. This is just you. I don't get involved in the episode. I don't ask questions. Um, I'm not interviewing individuals. It's just you in your own time telling the story you see the way you see fit. Um, and it's become the most popular series on my podcast. So I decided finally, after hundreds of these stories, to kind of um, look at what I felt were some of the most compelling, some that really stuck with me, really resonated with both myself and the audience. And I came up with 50 of my favorite uh, stories throughout the years of the podcast and put them in book form. And that's what the book is. It's it's uh, kind of broken up into three sections, sightings, close encounters, and um, military incidents as well, because we know that's the big thing in the news right now. Um, and a lot of people consider military observers um, 
you know, highly credible. They are trained observers, most of them. So uh, I have a whole section dedicated to that as well in the new book. So yeah, it's basically a greatest hits of the Somewhere in the Skies podcast. <laughs> and uh, it was such a pleasure to put together. Oh, absolutely. I love the way you broke it up. And I mentioned synchronicity. I never thought much about synchronicity until we started this podcast. And man, the synchronicity just went off the charts when I started reading Ryan Sprague's new book, Stories from Somewhere in the Skies. And Ryan, the forward of your book is by one Dr. Diana Walsh-Pasulka from UNCW, that's University of North Carolina, Wilmington, which CJ used to live in Wilmington. Oh, wow. That happens to be right mm -hmm. down the road from us. So the synchronicity started with the Ford. So I knew I was onto something great. And I just wanted to mention a little bit about what she said about Ryan Sprague. I'm sure Ryan remembers, but this just a little bit. She said, Ryan Sprague's work is very similar to the research. By the way, we really appreciate your research. It's qualitative data. It's just as important as any quantitative mathematical data out there. He's very similar to one of the best researchers of UFO phenomena of all time, Dr. Jacques Vallée. He interviews ordinary people who have been changed in ways that reorient their values and lives. As they open up their minds to the realities of the cosmos, they do not take life for granted. Ryan Sprague's work opens this world to us. He has always been and continues to be at the center of this rapidly changing story, one experience at a time. And I thought that those were really great words from Dr. Pasulka there, Ryan. Yeah, I was very touched by that. You know, she's a big hero of mine. Um, American Cosmic sort of changed the entire dialogue on UFOs in the past few years. And her expertise within, you know, the realm of uh, religion and its connection to the UFO topic and the way we interpret a lot of these experiences uh, really resonated with me. And I'm sure a lot of people who grew up in any sort of faith um, you know, I know she she mostly focuses on uh, Catholicism. Uh, however, I mean, every major religion has some sort of connection or interpretation of things in our skies that cannot be explained. And uh, I think her work was essential uh, for the further conversation going on with UFOs right now. And um, I have interviewed her a few times and I really threw a Hail Mary um, no pun intended, religious-wise. Um, I threw that Hail Mary. I emailed her and said, hey, would you write the foreword to my new book? Um, I don't care if it's a sentence long, please. I just want your name in there. And she was so, like, taken back and, like, flattered that I even asked. And I was like, no, you, like, I'm the one who's flattered that you would even consider. So um, I'm clearly fanboying out right now over Diana walsh Basoka. <laughs> but um, those words she said... Uh, are extremely humbling. Um, I, I would never compare myself to Jacques Vallée. However, I do find a lot of correlations between his work and mine. And that's this sort of cultural aspect to a lot of this and, and how different people interpret UFO encounters and what that might tell us, not just about the phenomenon, but uh, ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I was very humbled by those comparisons she made and... Um, and yeah, I can't wait for her new book to come out in, in November, I believe it is. So a little plug for Diana Walsh-Pasolka as well. Yeah. Well, that was the forward to Ryan Sprague's new book, 
stories from somewhere in the skies. And the synchronicity continued because we're talking about a basically a collection of, like you said, of your 50 greatest hits. So I was kind of flipping around and I started. Now, I told CJ this already as I was reading your book, Ryan. The very first story I picked is from a girl who had a sighting off the outer banks of North Carolina, which my household crew is currently in the outer banks, North Carolina, in Duck. Now, oh, this girl's wow. sighting was in Avon, which is right down the road, and CJ and I are both not far from the Outer Banks. Not only that, but this girl decided to start her own podcast, too. The UFO Rabbit Hole Podcast. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the <laughs> yep. UFO Rabbit Hole every day. <laughs> I know. Welcome to all of our lives. <laughs> and so that was a great story, and I thought, wow, how? what are the odds of that? And then the second story I turned to, and I was reading on Kindle. You can pick up Ryan Sprague's newest book, and it's incredible, folks. Stories from Somewhere in the Skies. It's also on Kindle, and that's how I was reading it. And the very second story I clicked to, which is one of the things I love about Kindle. Don't have to flip my pages over. Uh, <laughs> second story I turned to is from some a meteorologist who had an encounter driving across Falls Lake, north of Raleigh, North Carolina. Again, yep. just down the road from CJ and myself. And of course, this meteorologist went on to start their own podcast, the P-E-E-P podcast. Be careful when you Google that, folks. <laughs> As I discovered, but it does stand for something involving the paranormal and folks in encounters with the paranormal. So I thought, wow, what synchronicity there. It just blew my mind. Ryan, do you have a particular favorite out of stories from somewhere in the skies oh man it's like choosing your favorite child right cj i don't know if i could do I it i don't know what you're um, talking about that would be so what? easy for me no, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh boy don't let your kids hear that um so i mean the the easy safe answer would be they're all my favorites um however i do really like that one the peep podcast one um out of North Carolina, because it involves the Foo Fighter phenomenon, which is, you know, kind of the origin of UFOs, the modern UFO era, I should say, where back during World War One, even World War II, um, people were seeing strange lights in the sky, these orbs, as we've come to sort of coin them. Um, and, you know, uh, the U.S. thought they were uh, the Japanese. The Japanese thought they were U.S. tech. Nobody knew whose these things were until every country was like, they're not ours. Um, so that's kind of where the Foo Fighter phenomenon began. And the UFO problem, issue, topic uh, really started to seep its way into American culture. Um, so that story really, really stuck out to me. And I just always wanted to use Foo Fighters in, in one of my books in some way, shape, or form, because they're one of my favorite bands. Um, but uh, there is one story that really sticks out to me, and I'll make it brief. Um, this happened in my new neck of the woods here in Scotland, actually, where I reside right now. Um, and this happened in Fife, Scotland. And uh, it was back in 1996, a gentleman named Tommy reached out to me and told me a story about when he was a kid, he was riding his bike home with a friend from school. And as they're riding their bikes down the road, they see kind of a, um, 
I guess you could call it like an oil slick in the road. You know, when kind of these potholes fill up with whatever gasoline and you can kind of see it from a mile away or whatnot. So as they're getting closer to this quote unquote oil slick, they try to go around it and they realize it's getting bigger. What Whatever this oil slick is in the road, it's growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So they stop on their bikes and they watch as this, um, this oil slick which then eventually they called a black blob, it actually started to levitate off of the ground. So it went from just whatever this little gas-filled pothole was in the ground um, to floating in midair, growing bigger and bigger and bigger, and it started bubbling. It started boiling. So you've got what they coined as a, uh, a bubbling black blob just hovering in midair it starts moving around as if organic and it starts ascending into the sky and as they're watching this black blob this electricity starts being seen all around it and they could feel like the hair on their arms sticking up almost like when you get you know you touch a, a mm-hmm. rub a rug or get like uh, the static shock um and then they hear the most god awfully loud sound they ever heard come from this bubbling black blob and then it just darts off into the sky and disappears out of sight what so that one really stuck out to me because this wasn't a flying saucer this wasn't a black triangle this wasn't even a foo fighter this is a bubbling black blob that seemed to almost be biological in some way had some sort of intelligence behind it and went from being just in the road to levitating, to darting off into the sky. It was unlike any UFO sighting I'd ever come across or have come across since. Yeah. Wow, that is wild. That reminds me of the old monster movie, The Blob, one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. And yes. all the people are in the theater and it just start, keeps expanding, you know, until it just bursts out of the theater and everybody has to go running, you know, for cover. Yep. That's just wild, Ryan. Wow. Yeah, that's just one of the crazy stories in there. Yeah, this isn't just like your typical... The stories I have aren't just flying saucers or anything like that. It, they truly are unique stories. They're the outliers of the UFO phenomenon, as I call them. That's awesome. Those sound really, really fun. And I'm sure that gentleman's life was changed forever too, right? Can you imagine what you would think about everything you knew after you saw something like that? I mean, your entire existence would shift. To sort of put a bow on that story, and I'm glad you brought up the human side of it, and I only wanted to bring this up because Tommy reached out to me, I'm not kidding you, a week ago, and he said, hey, guess what? I found someone who lived in my hometown who also saw the bubble. Really? And again, like these are lonely, isolating events in someone's life. They don't really have anyone to turn to or talk to. I mean, thank God he came to me and told the story. Um, but he actually met up with this other person from his hometown oh, that like last week. So good. And he had that closure. You three have the naming rights. You know that, right? <laughs> I don't know yes. what it's called, but maybe maybe you have an idea, Ryan. Do they, did they call it? What did they call it? It was the bubbling black blob of Fife. A Fife. A Fife, yeah. That's a festival right there that's a festival <laughs> right there that's a movie that's a conference i've got it covered i don't know me. how popular fife is as a as a town <laughs> the foo fighters song actually now that you mentioned um i i know a lot of people that are uh, sheriffs of their own fiefdom but 
And I don't know if that has anything to do with the town of Fife itself. But... Good question. Oh, yeah, I'll have to look yeah. at the etymology on that one. <laughs> yeah. No oh, kidding. Barney Fife. That. The, Barney Fife. Barney Fife. But Ooh, that's a good throwback. Yeah. Oh, so speaking of just the human experience that people are having with all of these interactions, encounters with UFOs, something that you've mentioned is that it's a very lonely, isolating experience. Even in your case, when you started telling your friends, people didn't believe you. They thought you were crazy or making it up. But we hear that same theme over and over again. In fact, what we typically hear is that people talk about it initially after it happens. They get so made fun of but they stop talking about it for years, maybe their entire life, until they meet somebody like you or find a show like us and suddenly they have a comfort zone and can can speak of it again and feel properly represented, understood, what have you. What would you say to anybody right now that still is not, not on the UFO train? What about the importance of keeping an open mind? Yes, so... You know, I I would consider myself an open-minded skeptic. You know, I'm not out here shouting from the rooftops that what all these people in my book have seen is a alien from Zeta Reticuli. <laughs> um, I don't know that. They don't know that. Nobody knows that. Anyone who pretends to have the answers to the UFO phenomena, because I do believe there are many different things at play here. Um, for anyone who says they have all the answers, I'm sorry. It's just not... It's not true. Um, so I consider myself an open-minded skeptic. I think everyone should be. Um, in fact, the, the mantra to my show is keep your feet on the ground, mm -hmm. but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. So always having one foot down, being like, hmm, maybe there could be a prosaic or um, even anomalous, but still somewhat explainable uh, explanation for a UFO sighting. However, um, I will always, always remain open to the possibility that we are dealing with a variety of things. Extraterrestrials, extra-dimensional, time travelers from the future, crypto-terrestrials from within our planet. Um, the possibilities are endless because we don't know. We have absolutely no idea what UFOs are or aren't. Um, so yeah, I think for anyone out there who is, um, you know, skeptical, uh, Stay skeptical. Like, I, it's very important. But for those individuals who come forward and, and say, no, I know what I saw. And I know it wasn't a weather phenomenon. I know it wasn't a plane. It wasn't a blimp. It wasn't a... I didn't misidentify something. Um, just take their word for it. I mean, I'm not out to debunk UFO cases. I'm not out to call anyone a liar or, or you know, making things up. I'm here to hear your story, to listen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's enough for people to just have someone to hear them out. Um, that can be closure for them. So yeah, I, I think it's very important to always remain skeptical, but to also realize the world is far bigger, far stranger than we ever thought it could be. And I think some of the healthiest uh, skeptics or, or scientists out there who do remain open to the possibility uh, are the ones who are really making incredible discoveries now. You look at someone like Dr. Avi Loeb, who I know you've had mm -hmm. on your show, who is taking the slings and arrows right now mm -hmm. from the mainstream scientific community. And he's the one stepping on the landmines so that 
younger scientists can then walk over him and say, thank you, Avi Loeb. Thank you for taking a risk, man, because look at where we are now. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very important to always be skeptical, but to also be open minded as well. Yeah, he really is a maverick, isn't he? That Avi Loeb. We're, we're thankful yes. for the work that he is doing. So I'm just curious for my own knowledge. In your day-to-day -day life, do you encounter more people who believe in UFOs or who don't believe in UFOs? And have you seen a large shift in the past six years or so? Tremendous shift. Seismic. It's crazy. Again, like nobody talked about this before like 2016, 2017. There was like maybe i don't know 10 podcasts out there covering ufos um like i wouldn't be caught dead talking about this stuff on like a first date like there was no <laughs> second date after that ever but right. now like it's crazy everyone i talked i i went to my local coffee shop this morning here in scotland and yeah. um i had one of my own t-shirts on which sounds a little vain <laughs> no you got you have to but my my merch my merch shop wanted, yeah. I know, right? You got to do your own promotion. Absolutely. Uh, they were like, dude, start start wearing your stuff out there. Like, get it out there. Yeah. And of course, my barista asked me like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, oh, it's a podcast I host. It's uh, it's about UFOs. And he was like, oh my God, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's about all that stuff, that really weird stuff out there. He's like, it's not weird. He's <laughs> like, I think it's amazing. He's like, I've seen a UFO. And boom, like... That, that was it for me. And I can't tell you how things have dramatically changed. Um, it used to be, you know, two people out of 10 would say they believed in UFOs. Um, now it's a healthy eight to nine mm -hmm. out of 10 say they believe something's out there. Um, and a lot of that has to do with everything that's happened since that New York Times article, you know, slapped us all across the face and and made society and the public really take this topic seriously. And boy, they're taking it seriously. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Believing in UFOs is a lot less scary than trying haggis. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So no, no problem believing in UFOs. Speaking of people believing and people want to believe and people want to know what's out there and people calling for disclosure and wanting to know the truth. Folks that grew up on the X-Files like I did, like CJ might have. She used to be known as our Scully. CJ did. So, but I would be remiss if I didn't point out that today, Monday, July 24, 2023, is potentially the beginning of what could be the most historic week in all of UFOlogy as we are poised to have a UFO hearing on Wednesday, July 26 at 10 a.m. Eastern by the House Oversight committee this will be broadcast to folks around the world and ryan for people not in the know can you tell us what's up with the ufo hearing this week and what can people look forward to yeah so this is really exciting you know we've gotten a few um closed door sessions we we know that pilots who've seen ufos uh, many of which we heard from in the new york times article uh have given closed-door briefings to members of Congress, to members of the Armed Services Committee, to, you know, insert government acronym here. Uh, however, this will be one of the first congressional UFO hearings in a very long time. Uh, you know, we had one by the Armed Service Committee not too long ago, but this is different. This is a whole new ballgame. 
This is going to be um, broadcast for the public. Uh, it is a bipartisan hearing that's taking place between Republican Congress people and Democrats. One of the first times in the past, gosh, how many years where both sides of the aisle are coming together on an issue that means something to everybody, not just those in America, but the world overall. Um, and they're going to be interviewing uh, two former pilots who have had very dramatic UFO sightings, again, those of which we've heard uh, through the New York Times and through various documentaries and news outlets. Uh, that's uh, Ryan Graves and Commander David Fravor. Uh, Fravor was, is known as being part of the, famous, the now famous Tic Tac UFO event. Uh, Ryan Graves was part of the, uh, the Go Fast incident on the East Coast. And then we have um, David Grush, who's also going to be speaking, who is this whistleblower that came forward uh, quite recently in the debrief uh, news media outlet that I have the amazing honor and pleasure to work with as well. And he had some stunning revelations that he brought forward as a former uh, military person, as a former intelligence in, uh, person as well. Um, he claims that the United States has in its possession craft of unknown origin and that there are programs within uh, special access programs within the Department of Defense, within, again, insert military apparatus here, who recover UFOs, crashed UFOs. So think Roswell, th think things like that. Um, and that we have reverse engineered the technology, a la what Bob Lazar has been saying for many, many years. Uh, very big claims. However, this guy has sworn under oath all of these things, which is incredible. So the fact that next week we're going to be having a hearing involving these three individuals and rumors of possibly more, we, we don't know that yet, um, it is historic. I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to see what the aftermath will be from this. And I can tell you right now, this is probably just the beginning. Uh, this is going to open the doors for more Congress people to get involved, for more whistleblowers to come forward and tell their stories with their involvement in such programs as UFO crash retrievals. And um, I can't wait. Again, this is just another step in this overall disclosure that everyone's been hoping and, and praying for for decades and decades now. So, yeah, I'm excited. Ryan, do you have any bold predictions for the UFO hearing on Wednesday. It's like the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl the Super of Bowl? UFOlogy. <laughs> Can we put money on it? Is anybody taking bets? I've got the Detroit Lions <laughs> by 20 at halftime. Oh, that um, is bold. Not as bold as the Chargers. <laughs> true, true. Which CJ um, is a supporter of it. Heartbroken every year. I know. Trust me. I know as a New York Mets fan, I know how to have a heartbroken. Um, I think... You know, a lot of people are complaining that we've heard from all these people before. What's going to be new in these hearings? But we have to remember that this is an open hearing that's going to be broadcast around the world. This isn't for UFO Twitter. This isn't for UFO aficionados or quote unquote experts, which no one actually is. There's no such thing as a UFO expert because no one knows what the hell is going on. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. Um, I think this is going to be huge for the public it's going to show those people who haven't thought twice about this topic that whoa like 
Congress is taking this seriously. They think there's actually something to this. Not only that, they have pilots on the record who have encountered these things in the sky, who could not explain them, who were outmaneuvered by UFOs flying our most sophisticated aircraft in the U.S. arsenal. Um, so it isn't for us. It's not for us. This is for everybody. So I think, it, again, it's really going to be um, a wake-up call to those people out there who don't think there's anything to all this, who think it's a waste of time for you and, and me to be studying this, this stuff and doing podcasts about it and writing books about it and going around the world interviewing people about it. Um, there's something to this. And it's clear the U.S. government believes there's something to this. They've acknowledged UFOs exist, but now the real questions come. Where do they come from? What are they? What do they want? And I think some of those questions could possibly come up and even be answered at this UFO hearing. Amazing. Fingers crossed for sure. Ryan, are you okay with doing a couple of hot takes with us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I love getting into trouble. All right, let's do this then. Here's a couple of hot takes. First, I want to play a little video clip, and I and I had to remove the audio because I just didn't have the time or energy to uh, bleep everything out that required <laughs> bleeping. But I'm gonna try to uh, fill in the gaps here. So let's get your take on. Let me see if I can get this person. Yeah, oh, here gosh, we go. Dude, I haven't seen this. This is what's become known as crazy airplane reptilian lady. And so right now she's saying, that, that back there is not for real. They are not for real. He's a reptile. He's Let's a reptilian. not do the female voice. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. All right, hot take on crazy reptilian. Wait, so she's pointing at a human saying it's, not, it's a reptile. It's not a human. Yeah, let me see if I could play that again. Here we go. There's a reason why I'm getting the f off and everyone can either believe it or they cannot believe it. I don't give two f but I am telling you right now that f back there is not real. And you can sit on this plane and you can die with them or not. I'm not going to. I think the plane was still on the ground at this time and she just loses it. Yeah. And she's pointing to somebody back there that supposedly she was sitting by. And she's basically saying they're not real. And she might have insinuated that they were a reptilian. What do you think, Ryan? Reptilian or drugs? Okay. <laughs> Those are my two choices. So I'm going to go with, I think this woman was on something. I'm not going to lie. Like, I to from what I've heard... And from people who claim to have been on the actual flight when this happened, um, it was clear that there was something not right about this woman. Um, mm. And as much as, you know, we we crave drama and, and we love any chance to connect UFOs or aliens or reptilians to any of this sort of stuff, um, I think this is just an unfortunate situation where a woman either... Uh, had a mental breakdown of some sort or was on something. You know, it's so interesting. Having not heard it, I couldn't hear anything. So just to have watched it and not have seen it before. She's really well-dressed. She's got her hair done. She's got earrings in. You don't look at her and think like, 
okay, that person's lost their marbles a little bit. Like it takes a lot for me to put some makeup on and throw earrings in. I'm going to be honest. And she's got all that going on, like a crop top and a cute handbag. Like the woman looks normal. <laughs> so it's yeah. interesting to hear that she was screaming that somebody's a reptile. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I know when I'm on a plane, I tend to try to dissolve into the background. You know, like I don't try to stand out. <laughs> this lady just doesn't give a real. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, she did not. I mean, uh, from what I heard, they had to ground the flight. They had to kick her off. She tried to get back on the flight at one point, apparently, which is, hmm. again, I, I think there's something, unfortunately, uh, very troubling about uh, this individual. I, I feel for her. Um it sucks like now she's gone viral yeah. because of this. I mean, that's the world we live in. Unfortunately, you make one mistake and it's recorded and like it, it stays with you forever. But um, look, that's also the consequence of acting out and doing something that potentially could get you arrested. I mean, she was she was arrested for this, clearly. Um, so whether or not it was a reptilian, uh, I just feel bad for this woman. Um, I don't know if we'll ever truly what happened but yeah yeah that's my yeah thank goodness there were no cell phones around from 074 to 98 i'll just say that. <laughs> right. now something a little more serious ryan we consider this the keystone of the ufo phenomenon essentially and it, it kind of depends on how you look at it and which way you go with the ufo phenomenon what's your hot take and by the way i noticed i think you were here recently Maybe at their annual event. What's your hot take on the Roswell incident, 1947? Yes, yeah, yeah. I took part in their their event recently, the Roswell incident, uh, their virtual event, actually. Um, I wasn't able to make it over to Roswell myself, but um, I have been to Roswell uh, several times now, actually. I got my, um, for any of your viewers, I got my first ever tattoo in Roswell, New Mexico, in a shack in the middle of the desert. It's a question mark <laughs> for your listeners. Look at that. Um, amazing. Yeah. A it was my permanent souvenir. Yes. Yep, yep. Who says and, we don't break um, any news on here? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Roswell, like you said, is a keystone for any UFO researcher. It was the first book I ever read on UFOs. It was Crash of Corona by Stanton Friedman. And um, I believe it was Don Berliner uh, who also co-wrote that. And um, look, something happened. Something crashed in the desert. Um, something that the United States, uh, they weren't even the Air Force at the time. There were still the Army uh, Air Force, I believe. Um, Air Corps. Forgive me, I don't know my military history that well. But um, they covered it up immediately. You know, the, the, they came out with the headline, you know, we captured a flying disc. Next day, they retract this headline and say it was nothing but a weather balloon. Um, but we know for a fact now it was not a weather balloon. Um, they tried to disguise it also as this Project Mogul many years later, this high-altitude spy balloon project that had been going on, when in reality the individuals who worked on Project Mogul have come forward and said, no, no, that was not Project Mogul. Um, I've had the amazing opportunity to go out to the actual crash site and uh, actually work with a geologist who found pieces of metal out there in the desert we had them analyzed at an aerospace lab in california and these materials came back highly anomalous and this guy believes that these could possibly have been from whatever crashed in 1947 so i mean you got to remember like yes they retrieved what was out there but there's no way they picked up every single shard of right. wreckage out there um and 
he also found out there amongst these pieces of metal military buttons from military uniforms that were dated back to the 1940s we had those carbon dated as well so um i can't tell you what those metals are they came back highly anomalous we're still doing further testing on those right now but look being out there being at the actual site where this happened um i have no doubt that whatever crashed out there was either highly highly advanced technology that some country here on earth has and the u.s didn't want us to know about it or it came from another planet and i change my mind every single day but there's no denying that roswell has become a part of our popular culture and it is what we kind of hinge all of ufology on so i hope someday we find out the answer of what it was or wasn't um but uh Chances are we won't. Everyone who is directly involved is gone now, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, I love Roswell. It has a special place in my heart. And like I said, I got a permanent souvenir from there. So, As an astrophysicist told us one time, also the home of superpowered teenagers with love problems. <laughs> apparently. Exactly. Oh, love the 90s. Love me some Roswell. <laughs> And listener Reposte's BK Music says high-altitude swamp gas balloon, yes. And interestingly, they blamed it on weather balloons back then in 2023 when we shoot down something over Alaska or Lake Huron or something else over Super Bowl weekend. They call it a weather balloon, too. So go figure all these years later, right? I've got a, I've got a, I've got an exclusive for you guys if okay. you want it about yeah, the Alaska. We do. Okay, okay. And I haven't spoken about this yet. I don't think on any podcast, but the object in Alaska that was shot down, I think we can all agree, was probably the strangest. Um, it has the most mystique behind it. We were told that they could not make heads or tails of what that object was. They said they called off the search mm -hmm. for that specific object. I was reached out to by several people who live in Dead Horse, Alaska, where this thing was shot down, who have told me it was recovered. We saw the recovery. Wow. We saw them doing it. We saw them take it out of there. And we have proof. So make of that what you will, but I can say that within the next few months, I'm actually going to be traveling to Dead Horse, Alaska, and I'm going to be interviewing these people. And uh, we're going to go look for that thing. If there is something still out there, we're going to try to find it, me and a few other of my investigative partners. And we're going to try to make sense of whatever it was that was shot down in Alaska, because I'm convinced that it wasn't a balloon like the other objects were. It just simply does not make sense to me nor to the pilots who originally identified it right who we also have gotten in touch with yeah all I'll say is stay tuned on that yes we will that's exciting amazing i tell you what cj and i put a lot of research into that alaska ufo shoot down event we had the designer of the pico balloon on with us on the show now oh interesting we are not going to tell you most of the time that we know what's happening, but we will tell you the probabilities. And there is essentially 0% probability that that was a Pico balloon. <laughs> yeah. Yep. There is no way it would be molecules. It is illogical. It makes no sense. 
we had the man on that basically designed that balloon. By the way, anybody in the world could have tracked that on the, their home computers on the internet. That balloon had already circumnavigated the globe multiple times. They are not a threat to any aircraft. They use the analogy with us, and this was great, that it would be like pretending you throw a cork in the ocean, and that cork might hit a ship, which, by the way, it probably won't. If it did, it would damage the ship. No, that's not going to happen. The same thing is true for their Pico balloon, which had a, a transmitter about the size of a postage stamp, nor would NORAD scramble fighter jets to blast down a kid's Pico balloon. I'm not buying it. We're not buying it. We hope you find something out there. Thank you. I wish we could go with you. <laughs> anyway, I'm you always wanted to go to Alaska. <laughs> I was going to say, you might regret saying that. I might pull you along because uh, I'm a little scared. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie going up there. It's it's so remote. And okay. it wouldn't surprise me if it was hard to find something out there. But look, when you have people who live there, residents telling you, um, the news is lying. The president of the United States is lying. Uh, that mm. thing was recovered. And also, there's stuff still out there. We, we've spoken to people who've said there's stuff still out there. Um, I'm going to go see if there's any truth to that. Hey, if I'm being played and, like, you know, this is all some big, like, hoax, at least let's go out there and look. That's what yeah. I say. I don't believe the story that it was a balloon. And clearly, by the work you guys did, uh, you don't think that either. Mm -hmm. So let's figure out what it was, one way or another. Let's. That sounds like an invite to Alaska. Let's do this. I paid no <laughs> attention to the Super Bowl. I mean, think about it. We shot down three UFOs over Super Bowl weekend. Crazy. So, so far as I know, it was the first time in history that our fighter jets have been scrambled and shot down anything over American or Canadian airspace. Yep, that we know of. Unprecedented. They're yeah. literally right. still UFOs. Crazy. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us, Ryan. Of course. I digress. I think CJ has some final thoughts. Yes. Well, so Ryan, tell us where our listeners can go to get more of you. Where can they find more Ryan Sprague? Oh, sure. Thank you. Well, um, I am on the current season of Ancient Aliens. For So for any of you uh, Giorgio Tsoukalos fans out there of the History Channel. Um, I'm not saying it's aliens, Ryan. You can find me on there. Not, <laughs> not saying it's aliens. Um, but that Alaska thing is aliens. <laughs> you can catch me on there. Um, I don't know why it's called Ancient Aliens anymore. It should just be aliens because we're talking right. about yeah. the Alaska shootdowns now. <laughs> That's where we're up to, 2023 on Ancient Aliens. Um, so yeah, you can catch me on there. Um, I'm on. I will be on the upcoming season of Mysteries Decoded on the CW network which is a really cool investigative show uh that i'm a part of from time to time whenever they need to uh investigate ufos uh i'm the guy they call so uh yeah you can find new episodes of that coming this um i believe this fall on the cw network um but other than that i do the somewhere in the skies podcast every monday you can find it anywhere you get your show and then um yeah i've got a nomicon coming up september first and second so i hope people will subscribe to my youtube channel and you can watch that for free and um yeah everything i do can be found at somewhere in the skies.com awesome 
great. So go check it out. Make sure you guys subscribe to his channel and his podcast and subscribe to ours. Once again, we're super excited to be able to offer an audible trial to our listeners. So for those of you that are looking to get a book or a podcast that you can listen to, go to audibletrial.com backslash UFO. I promise you, if you're a very busy person like me, you won't regret it. I feel like it's the only way I get to continue to educate myself is by turning on a podcast or an, an audible book in my car and learning a little bit more. Otherwise, it's just diapers and dishes for me. So <laughs> I'm thankful to Audible for keeping me educated. Uh, if you want more All Things Unexplained, you can head to our Linktree account. That's linktree.com backslash ATU podcast. Be sure to get yourself some All Things Unexplained swag while you're there and make sure you like and comment and follow and do all those things for us. And uh, you can find us on Venmo. That's what is that one, Tim? Bigfoot UFO on Venmo? I believe that's right. And just like I saw somebody on Twitter, better known as X in the next few seconds, said, you know, even podcasters pushing for disclosure still have to pay their bills. So. Yes. Yes. True. This mama needs coffee. All the coffee. That's what we need. All right. Well, that is it for our show. We are so thankful to Ryan Sprague for joining us to share some stories and some insight into the UFO world. Be sure to follow him there. For everybody that's listening, we hope that you stay happy, stay strange, and listen to all things unexplained. Until next time. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you so much, guys. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Like. Share, follow, comment, subscribe, support. What's your hot take on Travis Taylor? (laughs) (laughs) I've got an exclusive for you guys if you want it about the Alaska. We do. Okay, okay. More at BigfootUFO.com. All things unexplained. So some of that I think, sir, will save the post. Mm-hmm.